Welcome to the Limited Podcast. I am Dan Hodgman, as always, sitting down with Jack Feltzer. Jack, how are you doing over there? I am doing great, Dan, because as we said right before this, I am $5 richer. As in the last second of the game, don't tell me when I'm down. The ES hit 4,000. Looks like it might even close there. I just want to thank everybody who stuck with me the whole way. I just want to, you know, thank my family, everyone who trusted me. I'd like to thank, you know, Apple. I'd like to thank Tesla for their earnings. All good stuff. So, Dan, I'm feeling good. How about yourself? Well, you know, I'm really uh, not feeling good about things. I wish inflation had more of an effect here. Um, but you know what? We'll give you credit where credit is due. We hit 4000 before we hit 3500 just barely. Um, we just barely missed that 3500 But you know what? At the end of the day, I think we're all winners. If you have any sort of retirement account um, invested with the S&P in one way, shape, or form. Uh, so I'll take that. I'll take that as a victory for myself. Yeah, and before we get to the daily rundown for today, I just want to say I'm still not sleeping super pretty on it. I'm not saying this is the end of it. This could be a uh, bear market rally, a little squeeze out here, because usually, if you look at past, almost all the time when we have one of these market crashes, it doesn't turn around until we have a blow-off top on the VIX. Go and like lay a, a historic VIX chart over a historic chart of you name your index, the S&P or the NQ. Usually there's a huge spike, and by that I mean above 40, 50, 60, got above 80 in the case of COVID. And then that's when you make the low, when it's essentially flushed out all the weak hands. We do not have that yet. We've just had kind of elevated volatility for a long time now. So I'll be very interested to see where it goes from here. But how was today? Well, today a little different. You got crude oil taking a break uh, last night in the overnight session. But really, since we opened up, it's been a sideways market. That market kind of floated from 96 to 97 half. Um, so pretty much a quiet day in the crude oil post last night's move. Obviously, equities, uh, that's what Jack's just talking about here. S&P finally broke above 4,000 for the first time in quite some time. Uh, both those markets made really nice moves after the opening break. They opened up right around settlement price, both S&P and the NASDAQ. NASDAQ just a little bit above. They broke down a little bit to the swing lows that we saw yesterday during regular trading hours. Um, same market state, that market was trending higher throughout the day yesterday. We saw them break. Um, that was where the uh, both markets bounced here today and uh, continued in that upwards direction. Is that uh, the sign that these things are going to take off? I think Jack's probably right. There may be more coming down the road. You have the uh, European Central Bank with the first rate hike in uh, over 10 years, I think it was, Jack, correct? I didn't look at the news today, but I will take your word for it. Yeah, so the European Central Bank had their first rate hike, rate, rate hike and I believe it was 10 years was the number that they were saying. Um, and you get the Fed continuing that conversation of increased uh, rates there. Next, let's talk about the euro. Prime example, European Bank raising their sure. rates. Uh, you had a really volatile morning this morning for the euro. Um, rallies all the way up to uh, a weekly high, breaks down to a weekly low, um, and ends the day actually relatively unchanged post that number. Um, and then the 10-year note, I forgot to touch on gold, but 10-year note and gold, identical chart patterns here. Um, with these rate hikes from the European Central Bank, you see both of those making huge upward directional moves. So good opportunity in some of these markets. I will say I'm relieved to see oil breaking. I did do really lucky. I, uh, made, I mentioned it on Coach's Playbook earlier this week, but I made a drive out to uh, North Carolina from Wisconsin, a solid uh, 850 miles or something like that. And 
my average price per gallon. I'm not going to tell everyone how much money I spent in gas because, well, my car's still not very good at it. You drive like a Mad Max car or something like that. A big old pickup truck that does not do well on gas mileage, but I averaged $3.97 a gallon. That's a good one there. Cheapest gas I've ever seen was in Kokomo, Indiana. I guess they have some sort of pipe complex there, but just a little something if you're ever driving through Kokomo, Indiana. Um, well, how about that? You know, where we did have a little bit of, we were talking about like the blow off, and you say, talk about 350 gas reminds me of the recent high in June of the 10 year was around 350, three, uh, 350 basis points, that is. And I was just looking at that chart right now, and that almost looks more like the VIX explosion you would see. And we've been saying with all the CPI stuff, the inflation is to keep an eye on those yields. They're off quite a bit. We're down around 2.9 from that high of 3.5 in the 10-year. So obviously, they're not pricing in inflation for the long, long term. Now, I made a mistake when last we recorded this podcast. I think I said something along the lines of I could, that I could not imagine the next CPI, which was the previous. I said a few days before the previous CPI being lower. I made a cardinal sin of economics there. It wasn't the prediction. I forgot what a lagging indicator it was. So when we had that July CPI number, that's the June number. And obviously things were very high. So I want to correct myself and say this. And I will eat all the S in the world if that's not the case. The next one to come out in August for the July will definitely be lower than that 9.1%. I'll say it. And you know, Jack. What, what, what am I going to do? i got to figure out something I'm going to do. Bucks. Let's put the $5 back All on right. one five today. Let's put 5 back on it. You know what? We'll calculate with 9% for inflation. Uh, we'll, we'll do $5.45. Make All it. Right, there perfect. we go. Sound good? Perfect. Cool. That sounds, I, you know, it's funny you mentioned that. When I saw CPI's number last week, I really, I really wanted to call you and send you a message. You'd be like, so Jack, I explicitly remember you saying it's going to be lower next month, and it wasn't. I got a kick out of it, but uh, I'm glad you brought it up. Dumb, dumb, dumb. It up at some point today. I, we were talking about how you know the the oil was 30% off the high, and I was just I, I wasn't thinking about it being the month perform before. So there it is. I'll take my lumps on that one. But uh, you know, speaking of those, I think we got a fun topic today. A few things we could talk about. Um, we want to talk about the biggest myths about trading that we have encountered. And I think that there could be a few fun ones here. We could start with like the obvious one, which is I think there's a lot of people out there that think that, for instance, trading is uh, not that it's maybe that it's not difficult, but especially that it's like one of the easiest ways to make a bunch of money. So, Dan, I'll let you start on that one. I'll, you know, Jack, I'll tell you, it's an interesting one because people do bring this up. And I, you'll see it next week in next week's Coach's Playbook. We actually had a pre-record this week, and it's something I do talk about. Hollywood has glamorized this idea of what a trader is, and you make it look very easy. Um, it is not an easy thing to do. But, yes, it's an easy place to make a quick buck, but it's even easier to lose that money. So, really, to be a good trader, and it all comes down to, how do I manage my risk? How do I kind of pull it back in a little bit? Um, it's not about making the quick buck. Um, those come over time, but uh, that's well, definitely think, think not about, about the, making the quick the buck. the distribution of outcomes, right? If, if you're talking about like making a career and not a hobby out of something like this, think of the distribution of incomes for, say, every doctor or every mechanic in the United States or every... 
um, let's say uh, even, you know, if you're driving Uber or something like that, they start at zero and then have some middle and everyone's kind of in between, right? If you look at trading, the bottom isn't zero. It's a whole lot lower than that. And there's not a lot of careers that you can embark upon where you actually lose money. It's like trading in the restaurant business are the two ones that come to mind there. <laughs> you got to be kind of nuts. Have you been watching The Bear at all, by the way? Uh, no, I have seen this. It's a Hulu, if I'm not mistaken, right? Yeah, it's on Hulu. It's awesome. It's about it's a Chicago show, but it's about the same sort of problems involved in like owning a restaurant. It's great. But I think there's this misconception where far too many people, they go into trading thinking they're going to make a bunch of money, takes a ton of work. And then you hit on what I was going to say, my second uh, myth, which is that trading is glamorous. Maybe in a few cases. But I mean, as you know, out there, if you've been doing it for a while, uh, a lot of it is just sitting around in front of screens doing nothing. In fact, that's the right thing to do is to be doing nothing. So I don't think you should go into it sort of prepared. I used to, you know, call it sort of the sparkler bottle traders. Like they're kind of like the first group we talked about, the people who are kind of like, I'm going to become a trader. They have it on those damn e-commercial, e- e- what was the company called? E-Trade commercials now. Mm-hmm. Where it's like show someone with like a boat or something. It's like, don't get mad, get even. It's like, not many people are buying boats or flexing bottles from, you know, trading on eBay. Not eBay, E-Trade. I suppose E-trade. eBay too. It's so true because you think about it like you turn on TV and let's be realistic in any trading places. Probably one of the most famous movies that has to do with futures trading, right? You look at, you know, how the, the lifestyles that they're living and they've got butlers and maids and cooks for them and they're, you know, living these lavish lifestyles. Now, don't get me wrong. There are traders out there, no doubt about it, but that is not the common trader, the common man or woman that's a trader. Really, the common trader is someone like sitting in their little home office, kind of doing their thing by themselves, trying to make enough to cover a couple bills in the beginning to slowly grow. With the big change, what happened when we introduced screens? We went from, let's take a pit where maybe there were a couple hundred guys or 500 traders in, in a small little section. They were the ones that had access to this market. If you weren't standing in there, you were calling a broker. That broker was calling a phone clerk. That phone clerk was then tapping a broker on the shoulder saying, hey, someone wants to buy a one lot. Well, you weren't just buying a one lot on a phone call. You were waiting. They were going to fill a stack first and say, okay, now we have 500 we're willing to buy. So now we're going to try and get you a price as close as you've asked. But it wasn't you can just buy and sell one lots. You were trading full size, the full S&P, right, which is, not one or not a quarter ticks, but full, full handle moves uh, on a one lot. So it was a whole different ball game every tick that we took, and so it's changed drastically. And so we had to get that that mindset of this glamorous lifestyle out of our heads, and you know, work from where you can. And a lot of people are doing it from the phone now. Well, that old thing with the phone, it, it really did used to be. It's hard to remember, like the make a market type thing, where it's like you would just call if you're looking for bonds or whatever. This is before my time. You call your broker and you just say, like, uh, how many you want to do and quote me a market. You don't say if you're buying or selling and they quote a market and then you say buy or sell. I mean, that's mm-hmm. so different from what's going on now where you can kind of see that. Funny, funny story about that, Jack. Um, I have the same name as my dad. We're both Dan Hodgman. When I was a kid, he used to be every night because he didn't have a way to check what bonds were doing. So he had a clerk that sat in the pit all night long and he would call. He'd call his clerk. And he go, Dan Hodgman, what are bonds? 
So as a little kid, every time I'd hear the phone ring, I'd put my hand up to my head and go, Dan Hodgman, what are bonds? Dan Hodgman, what are bonds? Like a three-year-old walking around the house asking what bonds are being quoted at right now. Yeah, it was the same thing. I mean, even in early 2010s, uh, before you could really do it on your phone right, it was easier to call your night guy and be like, what's happening right now? Um, mm-hmm. Times, they are changing. And other thing, oh, by the way, along with the glamorous part of it, it's a lot of the, and this gets to my next point, but I'll say this first is, um, well, let's just say this. There's a partial myth. Part of it's true. I said this on the the outline we have here. There's, I think, this uh, sort of half myth that traders are a-holes. And, yeah, you can find those. But in my experience, too, I think this goes along with the glamorous thing, especially nowadays with things being so computerized and quant-heavy and stuff. A lot of the most successful traders I know are kind of more reserved or dare I say boring on occasion I mean there's some of them that are big and I mean you said it and there's definitely some people in my experience it has I have found more a-holes in the middle of the pack who uh they're they're the guys that will let you know exactly how much they make and exactly how much they trade and kind of trying to be a big shot no one wants to be that everyone loves self-depreciation right and they're never the ones to tell you how much they lost either. But they always tell you how much they made. But I think you're spot on, Jack. I think people that fall in that category uh, are the ones that are struggling, haven't done well, um, haven't, you know, they, they're focused on this ego side of things and they're not so much focused on their trading itself. Well, they're holding on to something. It's one of those, it's one of those jobs too, if you're in the field, right? There's a certain cachet that comes from being a doctor. You say like, you know, I'm a doctor, I'm a lawyer. There's a lot of degrees of that, but, you know, it's a nice thing to say at a cocktail party. Being a trader is one of those things that, well, that can really mean anything. But I think the people that really want you to know that, they tend to be like, uh, they tend to be like really holding on to that. I remember when I was in the trading business, usually I would just say that, like, I worked in finance or something. It was too, it was almost too, co- like, what I did it didn't take, like, rocket scientists, uh, being a rocket scientist or whatever, but to someone who wasn't familiar with the industry, it would take 20 minutes of the most boring conversation about treasury spreads to like say what I actually do. So I just said I worked in finance. It was just easy. Well, and then if you said you're a trader growing up in the Chicagoland area, like, oh yeah, you're a trader too, just like everyone else. Like people kind of rolled their eyes at this idea of being a trader. Right. And then then they ask you if you know 14 different people from Brother Rice from like the 70s. (laughs) Right. Right. That, that, My cousin was a runner down on the floor. Did he ever check trades? Sorry, like, sorry. I've seen I've seen it once. Seen it once. I yeah. have no idea. Yeah, I also think uh, as far as that uh, glamour thing we talked about, this ties into. I think there's a big myth that traders are supposed to be prognosticators, almost like fortune tellers. And what I think that comes from, I was just thinking about this before we came on, and I think it's why it's so damn hard to make trading content too. Like Dan, you and me make content here. It's it's not like cooking or like something visual that you can show and especially if you see like trading on tv we're talking about like dramas and stuff like that it's very difficult to show what goes on because it tends to be kind of complicated like in the show billions uh the version of the hedge fund that he's at is just like a bunch of guys like sticking around pitching stocks to buy and sell which that's not really how it works or like future telling you ever see the movie uh 25th hour dan I have not. Oh, it's a great. That's a Philip Seymour Hoffman, Ed Norris. 
Spike Lee movie. Barry Pepper okay. plays. It's a guy. He's reporting to go to jail the next day, and he goes out with his friends. And one of his friends is a uh, a trader guy, and they display his version of trading by he's just like pounding red bulls and the unemployment numbers coming out and his boss is saying like you know get flat he's like no i know this get flat type thing and then of course the number comes out and he's right and they make a bunch of money it's like that's not how a prop shop works if you took a huge position through unemployment like that and refused to get out you would uh get the old heave ho but there's more drama yeah, and it, it was an aggressive heave ho if you're carrying a number in a position like that exactly but Jack, it's, it, I'm glad you bring this up because that's really, really spot on. I mean, it's hard to visualize what trading is. Movies, you just hear them say, sell it, sell it, sell it, sell it. And then they, everyone's sitting there and you, there's every trading movie. It's like, okay, buy now, buy, buy, buy everything you can, buy it all. Like, they're bidding it down, then they're rallying it back up. That's not realistic. I mean... The only version of that I've seen, I have seen the... Uh, say CEO or risk manager screaming at people to get flat. I have never heard like buy, 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 but I have, I have heard like start getting out with a few choice expletives um, before. Mm -hmm. I don't know. You ever run into one of those? Um, I think I may have said this, told this story before on here. Uh, Maybe I haven't, um, but I'll never forget it. I was, one of the guys, one of the hedgers at the time when I was standing on the floor, it was before I was even hedging, I was just down there clerking, um, doing some trade checking. I was, I was young, and uh, the hedger had to run. He's like, I got to run to the bathroom really quick. I'll be right back. So he scoots out. He's like, put the headset on in case someone needs something. And my dad was screaming, okay, buy 10. So I start working in order to buy 10 below the market. Well, I didn't know the lingo. And I've never been so scared in my life as I watched my dad come flying out of the pit. Like, it was, it was an elevated pit, and he grabbed the handle, and he swung out underneath. My dad's not the most nimble guy. Um, and he came flying out, screaming at me to fill the order. And at that, it downticked. I got my buy at the right price. Little did I know, every tick on a 10-lot in bonds is $325. Like, there's a lot of money at, rate, at risk there if it went against us. And it wasn't just filling a simple order. It was hedging an options position. So there's a hell of a lot more than just 300-some-odd bucks on the line. Yeah, you're trying to do the old power leg. <laughs> I, I didn't know the difference. I just thought, you know, buy five. You work the order. Oh, uh, we would. And yeah. I didn't know the lingo yet. That was always, Buy five was just fill the damn order. That was a dangerous uh, game to play. I don't know how es- esoteric this will be out there, but on our spreaders, we used to have, like, you could set an auto leg feature where if it got it, it might, like, sit around and try and do essentially what you're doing. But then, of course, you would just get washed out real quick. In a, Every time. Yeah. Um, Except for that time. That was the only time and I never got washed out. I got damn lucky. And I got a very good lecture when I got invited to my parents' house that night for dinner. There you go. And sort of like the last myth I wanted to go to, because I think this goes more to trading psychology and everything. And I mentioned this in some like work thing we did the other day. We were talking about something else, but it's that old, uh, I'm, I'm referencing that George Carlin thing again. So George Carlin has a joke along the way that's like, uh, have you ever noticed that when you're driving, everybody who's driving faster than you is a maniac and everyone who's driving slower than you is a moron. Um, you see some of that attitude in trading in two ways. One, it's like, Every trade that works out, I'm a genius. I am, I am uh, 
the, the master of the universe and every trade that goes against you, it's, uh, this is rigged. It's rigged. And I think when comparing to other people too, um, and I was guilty of this to a certain extent sometimes, but it would be like, okay, everybody who's doing worse than me is like, man, they're not, not half the trader I am, but everyone who's doing better, they're crooked. They're doing something. They're like, uh, they're on the take. They're spoofing. That's, it's funny you bring that up too, because when I saw, you, saw this on the list here, I could instantly think about it. Like I've heard people, especially back in the floor days, right? Like I was only there for a small little piece of it, like a couple of years. Uh, I grew up around it, but there was that common, that common myth that like anyone that was good on the floor, like to the other traders, if you were a really good floor trader, like, oh, you grease the, you know, you grease the broker as a local, you're greasing them, you're doing something. There's no way you can do that well because you must be doing something with the broker on the side or you're picking up some of his orders or you're trading for him and you're getting those fills and then you're doing something on the backside to get him. No, that's not the case. Sometimes it's just you're quick to the fill. And the important thing was you were quoting every single market, which is a huge difference back then versus now. Back then you had to, if you wanted to get fills, every trade that came into the pit, they'd say, hey, what's the market on this, right? And I was an options guy, so I'd be like, what's the market on the 5-6 call spread? And you'd come in and you'd say 7-9. Okay, if you're someone that's giving him 7-9 and you're giving him a decent spread and he likes the prices you're continuously giving, when the order comes in and you're filling it, no matter what side it is, because when all he's asking for is the market on the spread and you've got to actually give him the prices, you don't know if he's looking to sell the spread or if he's looking to mm -hmm. buy the spread and you got to fill that order every time, that's what's going to get you kind of in line. Hey, I'm here taking every order that comes into the pit. That's my job as a local. Our job was to be market makers, make this market and fill that market and then find a way to make money with it. Nowadays, we can kind of, it's really nice. You don't have to do that. Yeah. The market's already made for you as it bounces up and down like this on your uh, little dome. And, you know. Yeah. You can just pick and choose. Hey, I, I like that. Yeah, you're in full control. I don't like that. I can sit back. You're in full control of whatever you're doing. You got full control. And at the end of the day, you know, I'm sure there's some tinfoil hat people out there that think someone's watching and saying, ah, oh, they watched me put this on. I tell you what, they're going to find my stop and it's going to rally. Well, that's, well, that's kind of your fault, are. too. I mean, like, if, that's just part of their strategy. The, the last uh, thing I'll mention is the common one that I, I may have unfairly lobbed at a certain co-worker of mine that used to that was on this podcast once as you'd be the, just that oh this person's trading way too much size for this and you know what they're going to get their comeuppance this can blow up at some point but it's like well they got to that point by doing it and maybe you're just not made for doing it i'm talking about myself here not them, so <laughs> right it's like it's you're you're it's almost that jealousy factor comes in like no they can't be doing this there's no way it's going to blow up. Um, well, they've done well, this yeah, for years. Then they win, you know, working. trader of the month for like 23 <laughs> straight months. And you're like, well, that 24th one, you better watch out. Right. Um, I'm coming for you. Yeah. So those were my myths for now. That's all I got. Is there anything you want to close up with here, Dan? I think we kind of touched on it. I mean, the one that really stood out to me growing up as a, a child of a trader and in the trading world, like, and everyone I talk to, they think like professional traders are all millionaires. That's really not the case. Um, you know, this is, people are doing this just sometimes just to get by. A lot of people are doing this with a second job. Um, you know, it's a means to a bigger opportunity down the road. Uh, but don't come into this thinking you're going to be the next uh, Paul Tudor Jones or Gordon Gecko um, or 
Axelrod or what is the guy's name? Billions, Bobby Axelrod or Bobby Axel. All those folks. Yeah. yeah. Well, you so- know, don't come into it with that mentality. Yeah. Come into it thinking, hey, let's try and focus on making enough in a month to cover a couple bills. Um, and if you can do that, then you're going to create some opportunity. And maybe you'll never become a full-time trader, and maybe you always will have to do it in conjunction with something else, but it's going to create some opportunity and maybe create a little extra cash flow in your life to help cover some odds and ends. And speaking of those, and since you're in the risk team, Dan, maybe you can uh, throw it out there, but speaking of a little more cash flow, uh, we just changed something with the uh, rules here, didn't we? Pretty excited about this one. I had a lot lot of conversations around it, and... uh, now, after, as everyone knows, if you, your first $5,000 is 100% yours, uh, we used to be an 80-20 profit split after that. Well, we've increased that uh, 90% to you, 10% to the firm. So make sure you take advantage of that, continue working on those payouts. And speaking of payouts, we've got some really exciting ones coming out, and I'm sure Jack's going to have some more information on that down the road. We will. And also, I'm just going to keep on teasing these things. I don't care. I don't think MP watches <laughs> this anyway. But uh, later in the summer, into the fall, Keep your eyes open. There might be some more little goodies that come along or get taken away like that in the trading combine. So we've been listening to you. We're working on the tech part of it. And uh, there's some good things coming, I assure you. I'm trying to wink. I can't wink. And some of you are listening to this as a podcast, so I shouldn't be doing that, period. So uh, (laughs) anyway, Dan, thanks for joining and talking myths. Uh, Thank you. I like myths. I love them, too. Thank you, Producer Holden. Otherwise, uh, we'll be back next Thursday. Stay safe on the trade tomorrow. Hope it's a good one for you. But, you know, if it's not working, take the afternoon off. It's the weekend. So have a good one. And as always, namaste and trade well. Thank you again, everybody, for listening to the Limited Podcast, which is presented by Top Step. Check us out online at topstep.com to learn more about the trading combine for futures traders. Otherwise, we'll see you in the next show. Have a lovely weekend.